glorious day. Bibles, if you have one this morning, and turn to the book of John, chapter 16. <clears throat> I wanted, if at all possible, to stay in my series in the book of John, even though it was Mother's Day. So God providentially led me to a passage of Scripture that uh, was so uh, much of a blessing to me, I'm going to share it with you. So John, chapter 16, this morning. And just uh, read one verse, then we'll pray, and then share a few thoughts with you. John 16, look at verse number 21. John 16, 21. John writes, A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. Where in the world is our country going? I don't know the answer to this, but how close are we to a global economy? And I also don't know the answer to this. How bad is it going to get before the Lord returns? As a, as a teenager, I was under the impression that we would be raptured up. As long as you're saved, raptured up before any of these bad things happen. Because the tribulation, man, that's all the bad things. But do you know there's no place in Scripture that says we're not going to suffer tribulation? Before the rapture? I don't mean the great tribulation. I mean tribulation. The Bible says something about, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I wonder, could your testimony be that you know that God has called you to do something? But if you're honest, you're scared. Because you, you can't see into the future. It, it looks too black. It looks too dark for you. And so today I want to bring a message that I've entitled, Sailing into the Darkness. <laughs> Let's ask God for some help here. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love and blessing, and thank you again for this special day. I pray that you might wrap your arms around each of our mothers, and Lord, would you comfort them and and give them your joy today. I thank you for your amazing gift of salvation. I thank you, Lord, that we who are saved are now your children. And I thank you, Lord, for this passage that you've put upon my heart, and I pray that you might speak to us today as only you can, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll notice in our, our text verse that I read here, uh, when the woman is in travail, she hath sorrow. I looked it up. The word literally means sadness, grief, heaviness. It says, because her hour has come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. Again, I looked it up. It means pressure, affliction, burden, persecution, tribulation, and trouble. I, today, am going to tell you that I am so incredibly grateful by God's mercy, that I'm not a woman. 
I would not want to go through what women have to go through to bring a child into this world. God has uniquely gifted them and empowered them. I just looked up a couple things. You see, when, when a mother is getting ready to deliver, that for every woman, it's different. There are no two women that are identical, and you know this by now. Moms, you've talked about the delivery of your children. You know that everybody is unique. Some go through, through honestly, the jaws of death where the doctors are not sure they're going to make it through. It's so serious. Others seemingly, at least they weigh the talk, seemingly breeze through it. But for every mother, in the days and even months before the delivery, there's this dark cloud out there of the unknown. What's this going to be like? Especially for number one. You see, we've just relived vicariously this with our youngest daughter, who now has our youngest grandchild. How many months old? Three months old. <laughs> and so we've, we've had the privilege of, of reliving these last nine plus months with my daughter as she went through some times of fear, some anxiety. What's it going to be like for me? And then she would call her sisters to try to get encouragement, and one of them wasn't always real encouraging. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It hurts, <laughs> she said. A mother goes into the great unknown, knowing that there is potential danger. There's sorrow. And all I hear about is the pain, the legendary pain. What woman in her right mind would want to go through that? Now, I hope this doesn't discourage you, but the U.S. had the highest maternal mortality rate of any nation studied of the progressive countries at 23.8 deaths per 100,000 live births. A new study found that women in the U.S. face the highest rates of preventable and maternal mortality when compared with women in 10 other wealthy nations. This is dated April 5 of 2022, and of course it's on the internet. Take it for what it's worth. You know that, uh, again, from the internet, deaths from vehicle accidents in Colorado, 1 in 9,299. Just round it off, one in approximately 10,000. Well, this st statistic I just read, deaths from giving birth in the US, U.S. is one in 4,200. Which means, according to these statistics, you're almost twice as likely to die from a child delivery from the, than from a car accident in Colorado. I bet you didn't know that. At some level, each mother considers, I'm going to greatly suffer. And I may die giving birth to this baby. You see, the nine-month ordeal stretches her body beyond recognition. It remaps her hormones, changes her sleep cycle, creates new dietary cravings, and occasionally makes her the slightest bit moody. Instead of resenting that little one responsible for all the trauma, 
the mother's heart swells in love and compassion until it's ready to burst as she holds her newborn for the first time. As soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. God gave me the privilege of being in on all the deliveries of our children. Uh, that woman right there is a hero. I've seen her go into the jaws of death. I've been there supporting her. I've been there begging her not to squeeze so hard. <laughs> I've also been there when I saw those tears of agony immediately switch to tears of joy as that precious little baby was put on her chest for the first time. In this passage that I read, Jesus will be in the tomb in less than 24 hours. On the way from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane, he taught them what they would need after he left them. So they're about to go into this dreadful unknown, this, this dark, what's it going to be like when their Savior is not with them? It's all dark out there. We can't see. It's black as night out there. We, how can we begin to survive without you, as he describes his leaving. John 13 and verse 3 and following, it reads, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, what I, do now, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And Simon Peter saith, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and head. <laughs> Jesus did the unthinkable. He, he leaned over and began washing the disciples' feet. Now these feet were dirty and dusty and likely smelly. And he humbled himself when he reached down and took the feet of his disciples, those, those bare feet, into his hands. Just the thought of it. And they began wiping them and lovingly washing those feet. Old Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. That's too humiliating. I'll never let you wash my feet because you're so much better than I. And The Lord wanted Peter to simply follow him and obey him. Now, he's going to understand better later on, but for right now, Peter, just, just settle down and follow me. Jesus does not always tell us everything we want to know right now. Have you noticed that about him? He doesn't always fill in all the blanks. He says, I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I want you to say this. But he doesn't always explain everything before we start doing it. He just asks our willingness to follow. 
verse 17 of chapter 13, If ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it's come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Of course, he's talking about Judas. Judas, the one that was going to betray him, raise up his heel against him. He said, now I'm telling you this now, before it even happens, so that after it happens, you will know I prophesied it. I told you it was going to happen. He instructed them. It's interesting, the word believe here. That she may believe that I am he. The word is in what we would consider the present tense. It means this continual tense. That you will keep on believing on me. Because Jesus knew, honestly, when things started falling apart, when Judas showed up with the angry mob and, and they arrest Jesus, and it goes very quickly from one tragic thing after another, and before they know it, Jesus, their Savior, is hanging on a cross. What has happened? He said, very soon you're going to be tempted to not believe in me. Based upon the circumstances that I know are going to happen, it's going to be too much. So I'm asking you right now to continue believing in me. Keep on believing. So here's why I'm telling you that somebody is going to raise up their heel against me because it's going to be revealed soon. Of course, he knows that very soon in the garden, Judas is going to raise up. And so the disciples, at some point, they're going to remember, oh, Jesus told us this. Jesus warned us this would happen. Why? That they might continue believing. You see, they that are in the world shall suffer persecution. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He tells us that when the trials come, and they will come, we might be strong enough to believe in Him. I don't like trials. You don't like trials. We, life, we like life to go smoothly. We like to wake up in the morning and feel good. Oh, wow, let's challenge the day now. And have the day just everything be productive. Everything you go to do, it just works. Everybody seems to love you. It's great. You pillow your head at night. You say, thank you, God, for a great day. Wouldn't that be something? We have trials. Heartaches. Some what we consider bad days. And as we pillow our head at night, sometimes exhausted physically and emotionally and even spiritually, we need to be reminded to continue believing in Him. We serve a great, good God. When going through <clears throat> into the unknown, we don't know what tomorrow brings. Well, I tell you, you watch the news, which I don't recommend. You read the newspaper or you listen to the, 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 the Internet or whatever where you get your news source. Things are pretty dire out there. Things look pretty bad. It seems like, seems like about the time where you've heard all the bad news you could hear, they come up with something new. Isn't that incredible? Well, tomorrow's a brand new day, a brand new day for something more disastrous to occur. So what are we going to do when we go into that vast unknown? 
Well, here are a few suggestions that I think that God has given to us. In chapter 13, verse 33, it says, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. I like it. It's part of his culture. I don't tell you little children. It would be demeaning. I don't, I don't greet you out here. Well, hello, child. <laughs> Unless it's a child. <laughs> but, but in this culture, Jesus oftentimes would call them his children. Of course, they were his converts, so spiritually they were his children. So they didn't feel put down because of this. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. But notice what he says. Ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. He says there's some things you're not going to know. I'm telling you it's going to be different. I'm going to leave you. Life is going to change. It's bleak out there because you don't know it, but I do. I know what's in the future. You must continue believing in me and trusting in me. But you're going to face some trials out there. So what do you do when going into the unknown? The first thing is emphasize what you do know. Emphasize what you do know. Have you noticed how much time we spend worrying about the I don't knows? Oftentimes to the negligence of I do know. I'll meet somebody and they haven't been in church for six months. I've checked on them before that. Why'd you stop going to church? Well, I don't know, things just got bad. I'm called confusing. I didn't, it didn't seem to be helping any. I had all these, all these, these, these questions that weren't being answered in my life. He says, continue doing what you know to do, and just trust me with those things you don't. Emphasize what you do know. Jesus told them his time with them was almost over. A little time I am with you. But he's going to give them a new commandment, and that new commandment is to love one another. We at uh, Hope Baptist Church have, since before I came here, not known exactly what's going to happen with our building situation. Today, I still don't know what we're going to be doing with our building situation. Nothing is conclusive. We've got some hints, but God has not revealed it completely. What we think is going to happen is we think they're going to allow us to continue leasing with the option to buy this facility with the owners which are supposed to be buying this place sometime in June. That's all supposed to happen, but nothing's happened yet. But from the beginning, I came here with the idea that very likely we would be building a new church or have to move from their facility. And so repeatedly, we've prayed together. I've prayed diligently. God, lead us. And for me, and perhaps for you, that's been the great unknown. It's been a little black out there. We live in northern Colorado. Have you noticed that the land prices are not real economical these days? Home prices. Whoosh. How are we going to do that? How are we going to raise enough money to buy land and build a church? We're talking millions of dollars. How in the world? This is great. Big black hole out there. So I've spent too many nights worrying about it. 
getting ulcers. Instead of doing what I know I'm supposed to do. And that's what I try to emphasize. I try to remember, well, I don't know some things, but I do know some things. <laughs> that may surprise you. I do know some things, and one of those things is to stay faithful with God and to continue to keep believing in Him. To keep believing in Him. Continue serving Him. The Lord has not told us about that black hole yet. He's got this. He's got it all worked out. He hasn't revealed it to us, that's all. So he says, just continue to trust me. Keep on believing, keep on believing, keep on serving me. Love one another. We know we're supposed to do that. That's the commandment. You don't know the black hole, but you do know this. I'm telling you right now, disciples, love one another and then try and reach the lost. You see, it's not like we don't know what we're supposed to do. Oh, but pastor, we don't know what we're supposed to do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Serve God today and trust him for tomorrow. In verse 36, it goes on in chapter 13, John. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? <laughs> Love it. I know that I would have been just as dense. I know I would have been, if not more so. How many times has Jesus explained what he's going to do? He's going to have to suffer and die. Now, three days later, he's going to come alive, and he's told his disciples this repeatedly. But still, they don't get it. In fact, it's almost, almost hysterical. They don't get it until after he rises again. And then it takes a while for the light bulb to come on, even though he's prophesied this and told this so many times. <laughs> Whither goest thou? Jesus, I'm, I'm going to be leaving you. Well, where are you going, he says. Jesus said, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down my life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. It's easy to criticize Peter. He always sticking his foot in his mouth. It's easy to criticize. But again, if we had been there, Jesus repeated himself, but added this time, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter was not satisfied. So Jesus showed what happens when you refuse to simply believe in him. Peter was in denial. I will lay down my life for thy sake. I'll fight for you. They're not going to take you. I'll fight for you. And Jesus confirmed Peter's denial. In chapter 14, verse 1, it tells us the next thing we are to do when we don't know about the black hole. What do you do? Well, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. Now remember, chapter 14 follows chapter 13. Ah, and, and we've just seen what, what the Lord told Peter. You're going to deny me three times. But, chapter 14, but let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Notice the spirit in which Jesus told Peter he was going to deny him. Sometimes we get the idea that, that Jesus was really looking down on him and snarling as he said it. No, I don't think so, because look at where he goes with this compassionate statement, encouraging Peter and the other disciples. 
Verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. <laughs> Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? In other words, no, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Jesus said, you know where I'm going. No, we don't. <laughs> Verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Verse 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth, there it is again, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Peter had just asked in the chapter before where he was going. Lord, where are you going? Jesus told his disciples they already knew where he was going and they knew the way there. <laughs> Thomas said, no, we don't. <laughs> Jesus said he was the way and he was going to his father. Just believe. Don't try to figure it all out. Just believe. You see, we can only truly understand the Lord and his working after we first believed in him. Should I take this job? Well, does that job align with God's principles? Will you be able to prioritize God first in your life, or will the job come first? How does your family fit into this opportunity? Are your responsibilities to love your wife as Christ, love the church, and be the available example to your children factored into this job? Since God is your provider, are you being swayed by simply a higher salary? You see, Egypt had plenty of food. But God's servants seemed to always get into trouble when they trusted Egypt over God. Jesus said, you already know the answer to your question, but you must first believe in me. Thirdly, when... When going into the unknown and insufficient of ourselves, <laughs> for most of us it takes a while to learn that we are not up to the job. We get pretty, pretty self-sufficient early on. We can do it. We've got this can-do attitude. We can do it. Just bring it on. We'll do it. Well, you get the wind knocked out of you enough times and you start realizing, maybe I can't do it. <laughs> but I know who can, and that's what he's waiting for. So when going into this, this unknown of whatever it is, whatever the calling that God has placed upon you is that he hasn't explained yet, but he said, I want you to come and follow me. First of all, chapter 14, verse 16, And I will pray the Father, Jesus said, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may be able or may abide with you forever even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. Notice, but ye see me, or you will continue to see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Now I can just imagine these poor disciples. Some of the times that Jesus was teaching before 
his resurrection, their eyes were crossing. What did he just say? <laughs> they were spinning in circles. What in the world did he just say? Jesus taught them that on the other side of his departure, when the world seeth me no more, they, the disciples, will see him, Jesus, for who he really is. He will be dead as far as the world is concerned, but believers will know that he still lives. In his departure, Jesus will leave with them the spirit of truth, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not about to leave them comfortless. So before you enter into a trial, the Holy Spirit begins preparing you to continue to trust in the Lord and to find your strength in Him. Looking back now, we can see more clearly. It's been so many years ago now, but we can see more clearly God's intervention and preparation in the lives of my wife and me in the death of our son. It seemed like, boom, it just exploded in front of us. But now looking back, we, get, we begin to take instance by instance by instance to see how God was directing and leading, guiding. Nancy was out shopping with a friend. She wasn't even home. Emergency help arrived only moments, literally moments after I called. I didn't know that the emergency unit personnel lived next door. I didn't know that. The police were able to locate Nancy and bring her to the hospital. The Spirit of God carried us when we were too emotionally overwhelmed to function. When going into that whew, dark unknown, what do you do? Well, first of all, you've got to understand, he left us a comforter. How many times have I prayed, Spirit of God, wrap your arms of comfort around this grieving soul? I don't think I'd ever experienced it until that night. But as we as a family hugged and wept, oh, I don't mean a physical, I didn't, I'm not a physical, but I knew the presence of the Spirit of God. When going into the unknown and sufficient of ourselves, he left a comforter. In verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. To whom is Jesus giving this message? to the men who are going to stand in the garden and see Jesus arrested and hauled away. The very men who are going to see Jesus impaled on a cross and lifted up for all to see. These men, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Because I'm going to give you peace. You've heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, 
that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. He foretold of his soon departure. He hoped they would be glad for him. Why? Because Jesus gets to go back with his father. He, he was looking forward to reuniting with his heavenly father, with whom he had spent eternity past. He bid them peace, the Holy Spirit of peace. But going into the unknown and insufficient of ourselves, he left us a comforter. He gave peace. And fourthly, when going into the unknown and consumed in the darkness around. Can't you imagine, at least for a moment, the darkness in which the disciples found themselves as Jesus was being hauled away? The darkness of that long evening of the mock trials? The darkness as the crowds gathered and began spitting on him, hitting him in the face, ridiculing their Savior, and then crucified. When going into the unknown and consumed in the darkness. Verse 4, chapter 16, But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. You see, when, when you're consumed in the darkness, sometimes sorrow can blind you to the needs of others. You become so enveloped in your own darkness, you can't see. There can be hurting people right in front of you, but because you are encompassed in this darkness, you can't even see them. You can't even perceive their needs. Jesus recognized the short-sightedness of his disciples. And he explained the reason for him telling him that he would soon depart was because it was imminent. It's here, fellas. These last three years have been great, but this is what I've been teaching you for right now. All they could comprehend was sorrow that he was leaving them. The little thought of what would happen to him. He was going to resume his life in heaven with his heavenly father. Life would be beyond glorious for him. They should be happy for him. And excited that they will join him soon. They, like us, are often too full of our own concerns to consider someone else's concerns. So, so sorrow can blind us to the needs of others. In verse 16, chapter 16, a little while and ye shall not see me. Of course, we know he's going to die and be buried. And again, a little while and ye shall see me. Why? Because he'll come back again. Because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, what is this that he saith unto us? A little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father, they weren't getting it. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while, we cannot tell what he saith. We don't know what in the world this guy's talking about. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said, A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. And then, a woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And Jesus said, And ye now, therefore, have sorrow. With the analogy, they are in that time of intense pain prior to the delivery. That, that intense sorrow. He says, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. He told them again that he would depart in a little while. They still didn't get it. He said, what is this that he saith unto us? He foretold that he would soon weep, or they would weep and lament as the world rejoices, as the world captures him and crucifies him. They'll rejoice, and you'll sorrow. Just like a mother going through the pain and sorrow of childbirth soon forgets, however, the agony as she holds her new baby, the disciples will soon forget all of the agony of that excruciating time apart from Jesus when he returns and shows to them the prince in his hands and his feet. This grief in this life will soon be eclipsed by a greater joy in the next. Jesus illustrated what he was trying to tell them with the power of motherhood. Just like a young woman desiring to have a baby must choose to accept all that's associated, sorrow, fear, so believers desiring to follow the Lord by giving Him their lives unreservedly must also choose to accept the sorrow that will undoubtedly follow. Both decisions are made with the reassurance that their hearts will rejoice. In John 13, 6, Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now but thou shalt know thereafter. Perhaps you today are struggling with a hurt, wondering why God allowed it to happen. Jesus said, good news, you will understand it in time. Until then, just continue to believe. Continue to follow. We were in the, one of our favorite haunts, Chick-fil-A, this week. And we've struck up a, 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 a relationship with a couple who worked there. And a few months ago, they had a baby. And this week, for the first time, they brought the baby in for us to see. So precious. In the conversation, the young mother said that she loved him so much, she didn't know how she could handle it if anything ever happened to him. I asked her how old he was. She said he was nine months old. 
the age our son was when he died. And no, we didn't tell her. <laughs> we thought back, my goodness, 40-some years ago. <laughs> to God's grace. And to that literally, a literal blackness that we walked into for a while. We didn't, under, didn't understand. We didn't understand. It made no sense. But God was in the darkness. And he simply asked us to continue believing and continue following. God did not explain all the whys. He still hasn't, nor does he have to. But we got to know God, oh, so much better. We found that God is oh, so loving and oh, so kind. And so can you. So what is the tragedy? What's the hurt? What's the confusion? that has somewhat derailed you in your walk and following with God. No matter what it is, no matter what, what the blackness is, or, or no matter what, what it is out there that he's called you to that you don't understand yet, and it's just too much for you to grasp, please understand you can trust him today. He loves you with all of his being. He loves you. And he promises to not forsake you. He asks that you follow him and keep believing. So I'm going to pray here in just a moment. I'm going to thank God for his mercy, for his faithfulness, and for his availability to us right now. But I want you thinking right before I pray, so how are things between you and your Savior? If they're strained, Perhaps it's time to confess your weakness, not his mistake. And once again, ask him to help you to believe and to follow. And if you're here this morning and you don't even know for sure that when you die, you're going to go to heaven, I've got great news for you. Jesus had you in mind as well. When Jesus died on the cross, it was to pay for the sins of all mankind, including yours and mine. He's made the provision already done. He's already paid for our sins. So what he asks for is this. He asks that we believe. That we come to him by faith and we confess to him that we are sinners. And there's no sin in heaven, so how can we get to heaven? That's the point. We can't. We're insufficient of ourselves. So we come to Jesus by faith. We confess that we're sinners and we put our faith and trust in him to forgive us and save us. Have you done that? Has there been a time in your life where you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? I don't mean Jesus and your good works. That's insufficient. That's not trusting him. If you're trusting him, anything else, you're not trusting him. Salvation is, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. It's trusting him and him alone. What a wonderful Mother's Day it would be if you do not know the Lord Jesus, but you trusted him today. If your mother is still living, oh, that would make her so happy. And if she's in heaven, 
Oh, that will make her even more happy. <laughs> I want us to bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your unspeakable gift, your death on Calvary. And Lord, we shake our heads in bewilderment at the density of the disciples, but I know that if we were there, we would have been just as dense. Because Lord, we tend to get real dense when we go into those times of blackness and, and not knowing. So Lord, I pray that you might speak to our hearts right now. And for anyone here this morning, Lord, that is struggling in their relationship with you because of some hurt or some, something they don't understand that you allowed in their life, would you give them the grace right now to confess that sin and, and to believe in you once again and to follow you once again? If that's your testimony, then would you right now make that right with him? Would you confess your weakness, your sin of not trusting him? You didn't understand what he did. Well, how about not trying to understand it and simply accept that he knows what he's doing and that he loves you and then choosing once again to follow him? And are you here this morning and do not know for sure that heaven is your home? Jesus loves you. So much he died for you. Would you trust him even now? Nobody's looking around. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I wonder, is there anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that heaven is my home when I die, but I want to know. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand so I can see it and pray for you? I'll not call your name out. Not embarrass you, but anyone say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know for sure that heaven is my home when I die, but I sure want to know. Please pray. Anyone like that this morning? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, for your blessing, for your faithfulness. And Lord, thank you for this incredible time that you've given us this morning to refocus on you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Would you continue to give us the grace to believe and to follow, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.